0: You are joining us live on Utreon so that we could hold guns because guess what? YouTube does not allow free people to hold their firearms while they're live on the air because we are... Evil for some reason, just for trying to hold some guns up, but guess that's why we do it on Utreon. So if you are joining us later on YouTube, because we put this up on YouTube later on Who Move My Freedom, if you're joining us and you want to join us live, go to Utreon/Who Move My Freedom. If you're listening to the audio side of this podcast and you want to join us live, Utreon, U-T-R-E-O-N-Who Moved My Freedom or WMMF Podcast, that's the place to go. All right, that being said. I think everyone's ready here. I think you guys, Jade Gru says we're live. Okay, cool. Let's press the button and kick this off. It's going to be a great fun show.
1: Welcome back to the Hank Strange Situation. Lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded.
0: Alright, so here we go. We are live. There we go. We've got Stephen Wilford. We've got my friend Jordan Stein joining us as well. Um, if you don't know, Stephen, this is your first time obviously on the podcast here. We started off with Jazz Hands. We're taking this back from the terrorists. There you go. Jazz Hands. I hope you guys have your big girl panties on because we are live. This is episode 979 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. My guest tonight our Stephen Williford, there he goes, the sheepdog, the barefoot warrior.
2: Barefoot defender.
0: Barefoot defender, bare, barefoot defender my bad. Uh, Stephen Williford, uh, the hero of Sutherland Springs Massacre um, from, uh, from uh, Sunday, November 5th, 2017. If you guys don't know, we're going to get into it, and we'll explain who he is. If you don't know who he is, good person. We actually met in person at the gathering and had great opportunity to get to know each other so i'm looking forward to this steven thanks for being on the show
2: thanks for having me
0: oh you're welcome and also joining us my friend jordan stein of goa jordan is the southeast region director of gun owners of america welcome back to the show jordan what's up
1: always a fun time. happy to be
0: here yeah
2: that (laughs) don't know jordan he really rocks
0: Oh, absolutely, man. I am a fan. Jordan's a rock star to to me and us over here, so we appreciate you. This is basically a GOA show tonight. Look, I got my GOA hat over here. I'm not wearing it right now because it's Wednesday, and on Wednesdays, I get my haircut. Well, every other Wednesday, I get my haircut, so I show off my haircut, but there you go. Gun Owners of America hat. I got all kinds of stuff here, man. I got badges, uh, like patches that I got from Jordan and let's see oh we got like uh we got do all kinds of challenge coins all, all kinds of stuff here <laughs> do you have the save the puppy patch the sa- wait there's a save the puppy patch no I didn't no I didn't see that one
1: we, we may you? have ran out
0: before uh you got to our table oh, at save, the, gathering. oh save the puppy no no I don't yeah. have a save
1: the... I, okay. I'll make sure you get
0: one yeah okay
2: a patch says, save a puppy, abolish the ATF.
0: <laughs> All right. I like it. I like it. Very nice. Okay. So... Um, let's see here. I'm gonna close up a couple of things. Welcome to the audience out there. Shout out to everyone who's out. Hit the arrows ups. We appreciate that. If you guys have questions for these guys or things that you all want to talk about tonight, let us know. Shout out to 42Chilled as well as Jade Grew out there. Uh, we appreciate you guys being here. And, um, I guess we should probably start this off by having Steven introduce himself to the folks out there you know, um, for people who don't know you, Stephen, how do you introduce yourself?
2: Well, I'm Stephen Wollinford. <laughs> That's
0: how I introduce That's it. Myself. That's all you got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, for the gun world, uh, mm-hmm. those that don't know, so on November 5th, 2017, a madman came into the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs and started shooting through a hundred year old church, the windows and the walls. And uh, at first, the people in the church thought it was a drive-by shooting and that he'd just pass on. Uh, Instead, he circled all the way around the church shooting and then moved to the doors, shooting through the front doors and then moved into the church and started going from pew to pew, murdering people. And my daughter heard the gunfire, made me aware of it. And I ran and grabbed an AR-15 with a magazine and eight rounds of ammunition and ran across the street and gaged a shooter. He hit the truck in front of me, shattered the windshield of the car behind me, hit the house behind me. He had on class three body armor and ballistic bulletproof helmet. And I put six out of six rounds on him and uh, he got in his vehicle still and fled the scene, I flagged down a pickup truck, and we we chased him for 11.6 miles, and in the end, the coward that he really was, he stuck the pistol under his bulletproof helmet and pulled the trigger and committed suicide. I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it, it would have been great if, you know, um, someone there was able to get him sooner than that, but I think without your intervention, it would have been a lot worse, so... Uh, Big thanks for that. Uh, Jordan, you know, um, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself a little bit here before we get into deep conversation. Maybe I should probably let you do that. Otherwise, Lola will uh, start sending me messages. (laughs) But let me do do that real quick. I'm
1: Jordan Stein. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm Jordan Stein. I'm the Southeast Director uh, for GOA. I got 13 states in my region. And, you know, I've been on with Hank, I think... Was you know 2018? Was that the first time I came on or 2017?
0: Wow, man! Oh, so, wow, like it's a long time. Like,
1: <laughs> I've kind of like, grown up on the show, uh-huh. so uh, you know, and got married. And uh, know. you know, shout out it, to Megan, you, <laughs> Megan. You, you want to talk about a rock star at GOA and truly an unsung hero? Is my lovely bride Megan, mm-hmm. who's our admin director, mm-hmm. she's the, the person who ensures everyone. Gets what they need, um, and, and all the trains run on time. So, GOA really couldn't fu- f- function without her. And not just because she's my wife, but because she's truly an awesome gal who is
0: super helpful. To Absolutely. GOA. Yes. Big shout out to her. And uh, she's without.
2: Not my wife, but I'll testify to that also. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. She is awesome. And uh, she also patches you up whenever you smash into trees. and— whatever other craziness you get up to
1: (laughs) she takes great care of me Yeah, that is for sure
0: absolutely big shout out to her we saw her as well um so yeah we've got a, a lot of other people here and i saw this thing in the news and and so you know steven we don't really have like big plans here on how we run the show we just start uh chewing the fat for about two hours um you know and i know you're very shy and and you don't really like to talk, talk at all. I, can't, I couldn't get it out. I could not get it out straight. But um, here's something I did want to start from. You know, now what happened, you know, you were involved here in um, in this shooting, right? And responding to this shooting. And there's actually news on it, right? So I don't know if you heard about this news that's coming out.
2: Absolutely. It just came out today. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the families uh, the survivors have filed lawsuits against, Mm -hmm. uh, the department, not seeing, they got that right. It uh, got that wrong. They got the DOJ there. It's actually Mm -hmm. the department of defense. Okay. Uh, So, uh, they, they, they filed a lawsuit because Mm -hmm. government can't get anything right. Uh, the government, uh, so, so the shooter, and I won't mention his name, and it really yeah. makes me angry whenever somebody does, and that article even mentions him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but he was in the Air Force, mm-hmm. and um, while he was in the Air Force, he dismembered his infant son's puppy in front of his infant son uh, to mm-hmm. try to get him to stop crying. Well, of course, the kid wouldn't stop crying after he saw that. Mm-hmm. And so then he beat him until he fractured his skull. Wow. And he was put in jail for all of a year and a half. And then when they brought him out of jail, they brought him before the board to get him out of the Air Force. And he went in and he threatened everybody. Uh, that was on the board, said, I'm going to go get a rifle and I'm going to come back and I'm going to kill you all. Hmm. And so they put him into a mental institution and he escaped from the mental institution. And they finally gave him a less than honorable discharge from the military. And in any one of the things that he was charged with, two felonies, Uh, terroristic threats, mental instability, and less than honorable discharge would have stopped him from buying a gun. But again, the government being so inept in everything it does, didn't enter any of it into the instant background check system. And so he walked right into a store and bought all of his guns and all of his ammunition. And he came to Sutherland Springs and murdered everybody. And uh, so the families have been embroiled in this lawsuit for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, the judge uh, ordered the Department of Defense to pay them uh, $229 million. And people think that's a lot of money, but you, first, you don't get it that uh, they have medical bills that are just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the lawyers are going to get a third of everything anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, does um, the DOJ or DOD, the Department of Defense, appealed it once again, and then today they just settled for one hundred and forty-four point five million dollars. And. Again, that's to be divided between 75 people with all kinds of medical conditions. Chris Workman, for example, is going to be paralyzed from the waist down for the rest of his life, and uh, he needs a handicap accessible home along with his bills and stuff, and I, I think $144 million is going to be
0: a drop in the get, bucket probably for all his, uh, for the rest correct. of his life, he's going to need help and care, right?
2: And and so will Ryland Ward. Ryland Ward was a little five-year-old boy at the time. He got shot five times. Mm. Uh, and it destroyed his femur and his hip. And they have him walking again like any other little five-year-old boy. But he'll need surgeries until he quits growing. So he's got a, a lifetime of surgeries and stuff. And, and the same situation with Zoe. And little Zoe was, I think, seven at the time, and she suffered quite the same thing. And she will need surgeries until she's grown also. Yeah. So, uh, and Zach Poston got shot seven times. He was he was going to be a Marine. He was already a senior in high school. He signed up to be a Marine Uh, When the shooter turned his attention toward that side of the church, Zach Poston pushed a girl underneath the pew to hide her. And for his efforts, he got shot seven times. And then Zach Poston's grandmother crawled on top of Zach. And the shooter shot and killed her on top of Zach. But she saved Zach's life. And Zach's got pins and screws and plates in his body. The Marines don't want him anymore. So, uh, you know, he's got to figure out what he's going to do for the rest of his life now. And again, uh, this $144 million split between 75 survivors, you know, the families of people that survived and and the ones that actually got shot, the ones that lost husbands or wives or whatever, you know, it's, it's going to be split among all of those people that filed lawsuits. And uh, me personally, I chose not to file a lawsuit, Uh, though I might have been able to get in on it. I chose to be a voice for the families instead Uh, because I could not have spoken out for them had I been in the lawsuits. And actually, I didn't lose a family member or I wasn't. Physically injured, anyway. That say some injuries aren't physical, but uh, I didn't suffer any physical injuries or lose a family member myself.
0: Yeah. What's remarkable about you, Stephen, um, in the time that we spoke and then even today, you know, this thing that happened, I think, deservedly so propelled you to a level of where folks in the 2A, you know, community, in the gun community, freedom folks, um, see you as a hero, and I think that's deserved. But it's remarkable to me that you are still um, thinking, in touch with, and and doing things for, the, for the the people that were actually connected to this um, and and hurt the most by it. And believe it or not, we don't always see that. I don't know if people well, realize that. Yeah, go ahead.
2: I'm fourth generation in that little small community. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, people don't get what Sutherland Springs is we're under 600 people total population and when I say I'm fourth generation my great-grandfather bought the property that that I own today and the people from the church I knew them uh, their neighbors their friends they're practically family and uh, when you grow up in such a small community, uh, you become family.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, so one of the things I know that um, and and Lola is saying that, which I remember this when when this happened, we we were all talking about this, and and I believe we talked about this on the podcast. So this attack was the deadliest mass shooting in Texas history, and deadliest shooting in American place of worship. Right. This is like pulling. Uh, uh, pulling the stats out from here of what Lola is, is sending to me, which the reason for, for this lawsuit, and I don't know if there's any other ones, is, you know, this could have been avoided. When we talk about this whole gun thing, which I'm sure we're going to talk about here tonight, you know, the Second Amendment, etc., people say, oh, you don't, you don't need the guns because we can avoid these things, <laughs> right? There's folks out there who believe that you could stop Horrible, evil, broken people who decide that they're instead of just taking themselves out of the world, right? That they're going to go after other people. A lot of folks out there think that we can stop these things before it happens, and we and we don't need someone there like yourself. You know, we don't need people in the churches, in the schools, to defend innocence when people like this come after them. And this is the reason for for this lawsuit, right?
2: Well, what? what this whole shooting proves is first that the government is inept in doing everything that it does and background checks do not work. They don't. And even if he had been stopped from buying a gun, uh, then he could have bought a gun on the black market and still done this Mm -hmm. background checks don't work. All they do is, uh, so they say, what, 93% of all denials? Is that right, Jordan? That's correct.
1: Yeah, false, false positives. It's well over 90% of, of initial denials are false positives, which essentially means that the wrong people are being denied uh, their rights. That, you know, it's, it's not a true denial of an actual criminal or a felon. So, you know, the background check system isn't even working to keep the guns out of the criminals' hands. It's denying good people their right to, to purchase a firearm.
2: And, and, and I've got a different, I've even got a little bit more of a perspective too, because I live on the Texas, I live in Texas, and Texas is a border state. Mm-hmm. And um, not long ago, I was invited to an event that was put on by um, A.J. Lauterbach. Mm -hmm. He was the sheriff of Jackson County, Texas. A.J. Lauterbach was also Donald Trump's border advisor. So he advised Donald Trump on everything going on at the border. And Sheriff Lauterbach, frankly, scared me to death. Because Lauterbach said that the drug cartels now have a $500 billion budget. Billion with a B. Mm -hmm. And he said, Sheriff Lauterbach said that the drug cartels are buying influence in our media and also in our politicians with $500 billion. And the, the drug cartels want gun control. They really want gun control. Because they want to make this side of the border the same as that side of the border. Uh, right now they cannot control us. And they can't control us uh, because we still outnumber them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So Lauderback was saying, let's just play for a moment about um, let's play like it matters that mm-hmm. The um, liberal media Mm -hmm. say they want gun control, the liberal nirvana. So let's pretend for a minute that it would work. We all know it won't. But he said, so let's say they enact a gun control and a gun ban. And every citizen in the United States goes in and they turn in all their guns both legal citizens and criminals. It's not going to happen, but let's play the game for a moment. Let's say that we all do, and we all just lockstep, go down there, and they destroy all the guns. Now, the drug cartels, when they make a bust down there at the border, they don't get AR-15s. They get some AR-15s, but they get three-pinned M-16s. Mm.
0: listen we got to take a quick break let's take this break we'll be right back steven that's what- walther arms has been making concealed carry handguns for over 90 years starting with the ppk today walther is based in the good old us of a and still builds quality firearms like the ppq and pdp for personal defense and competition so when you're in the market please consider walther arms we wouldn't be able to keep the who Move my freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like walther arms all right, my, my apologies for that, Stephen. Yeah, I know this is your first time on the show. So you hear that little ding-dong bell? We got a minute. Okay, I think you're making a good point. I didn't want to interrupt you. Apologies, please, continue.
2: So, so when they make a drug bust and they make firearms bust down on the border, they don't get uh, AR-15s or AK-47s that our general public get. They get three-pin machine guns they get rocket propelled grenade launchers from the drug cartels they are not getting the guns from
0: and, and, and where from are those cartels getting that from i wonder
2: they are getting them from the black market and the mexican government is outgunned mm-hmm. with the the drug cartels sometimes and, they're
0: getting it from from the mexican military the corrupt you know military there's a, there's uh, a lot of sor- a lot of sources out there
2: our own military comes up missing machine guns every year mm-hmm so he said, "Let's let's play that liberal nirvana one better.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Let's say somehow we can stop the black market from selling to the gr- drug cartel. It's impossible, but we're we're deep into the world of impossibilities. And so we go in and we stop the black market, and we've already collected all the guns from." all Americans whether you're a criminal or not and again that's impossible but that's where we are in this liberal nirvana now the drug cartels sit around and scratch their heads saying how are we going to continue to reign in our violence they take 1 billion out of what 500 billion that i just talked about and they build the finest gun manufacturing plant this world has ever seen in their communities.
0: Yeah, and their com-
2: love them because uh, they they are the law on that side of the border. And they take care of them. And they could build this gun manufacturing plant and employ them all to build their own guns. Now America has been disarmed because we've turned them all in. And there's no black market or anything. And now the only people that have guns are the drug cartels.
0: Mm-hmm. Them and the military here, you know that this is a that, that's a really I've never thought of that. It's really interesting. I want I want to see if Jordan has something to say on this before. Like I, I've got some stuff too, Jordan.
1: Yeah, well, um, you know I, I've heard a lot of horror stories at, at the border, and, and Stephen definitely has some of those to share. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, it's, it sounds to me like the cartels already. Better armed than I am. You know, I don't have any, you know, fun switches on my guns, and you know, so I think that just highlights the need to for well to repeal the NFA and the use amendment, um, but uh, to to protect ourselves and and to be armed and be vigilant, be ready to to shoot back against people who want to cause us harm.
0: Yeah. You know it also it makes me think this like I, I know that Stephen, you just said that the, the folks in, in Mexico love them, and I'm not arguing that point with you. Um, but I would say this, they don't have any other choice but to love them. when when, no, when, 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 the, when the bad guys are the only people with the guns, <laughs> you don't have the option of hating them, right? The it will well, be the same I'm- thing for us in America.
2: What I'm getting at is yeah. the communities right mm-hmm. around where the drug cartels are. I'm mm-hmm. not talking about the Mexican people in general mm-hmm. because they're finding uh, mass graveyards and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. people that the drug cartels around them, mm-hmm. they 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 pay them to do whatever they they do things. You know, it's kind of like the mob. The mob used to be, you know, uh, they used to take care of their own. And in some ways police the police and No,
0: I, I understand that. It's like um you, you do see that in a lot of places, right? Where drug dealers and I even remember one time um having like an arc this conversation <laughs> with a um uh, with a guy who was a drug dealer and he told me drug dealers are good for the community. And I think that You're right. They do do this. The people around them, obviously, it's good for them, right? The guys running around with lots of money and jewelry and cars and all that kind of stuff, it's good for them. And the people getting money from it, but it's not good for the community, the users, right? The, the, The victims of the community. And this is what's happening in Mexico and the people of Mexico... I think my overall point of this is the people of Mexico are disarmed and they can't fight back and they can't do anything about this. And I think what you're saying is if they're disarmed and the drug dealers have gotten bigger and bigger and, and control everything there and then we disarm, we're, we're just like sitting ducks over here to be victims, right?
2: And they're, and they're going to build their own guns one way mm-hmm. or the other. Mm-hmm. They're either going to get them or they'll build a manufacturing plant. They'll hire people. And they'll pay those people to build guns for them. And then Mm -hmm. who gets those guns? Who the drug cartels want to get the guns? And again, Mm -hmm. the bad guys are going to have the guns. So don't Mm -hmm. you think that it's better that uh, good people, and we still outnumber them, Mm -hmm. good people have guns. Remember, when seconds count, police are only minutes away.
0: Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I think... You know, the, anyone who has the idea in America, anyone who's talking to you, whether it's politicians, whether it's your friends, family members, if they think that giving up the responsibility to other people is the way to safety or some kind of, like, nirvana or utopia, like you were saying, that to me is insanity. <laughs> you know, that's but the definition.
1: I think that's, if you just, you know... Make your personal security not personal. You, you sadly, sadly get a result like what we saw at the Covenant School in Nashville, right? If you don't have someone there who's willing and, and, and able to put bullets flying back in the other direction, you, you get the tragic loss of life. And that breaks my heart more than anything. You know, I don't know what compels a person to go to shoot innocent people, but I do know what compels a person to shoot back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, well said, Jordan. Listen, it is it is sad to see that. You know, it it was horrible, man. Yeah, it was it was horrible to see to see that. And one of the thoughts that went through my brain is, you know, here is a church that obviously had a beautiful building. uh, That was. Undeniably uh, expensive, right? There's money that went into that building. I don't know what money went into protecting these innocent children and the folks who worked there. That was that was just, you know, it's sad to think about that. Well, you know? to
2: have to have locked glass doors, mm-hmm. locked glass doors. It's like having a window in a um, in a submarine. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it it doesn't make sense and. The, the fact is, nowadays, they, you know, and it's terrible we have to think this way. Uh, I, and I I don't know that this is a fact, because facts are hard to come by when these shootings first start. But I heard uh, that this, this woman, this wasn't her first target. That she was gonna to go to another place, but then found out that it was had better security and stuff. And so what she went to a gun free zone. And again, yeah. that brings out another point that GOA wants to make. And and this is this is a point that just recently has been driven home really good by the FBI stats, because the FBI just came out with the latest greatest stats. And it was from 2014 to 2021. And they said less than 4% of the time do uh, non-law enforcement civilians like myself stop shootings. But John Lott from uh, the the guy that wrote the book, More Guns, Less Crime, you know. Crime Research
1: Prevention Center.
2: Gun Research Prevention Center, yes. That's what I was trying. (laughs) Thank you, Jordan. So John Locke's numbers (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, don't lie. He took the FBI numbers, and from 2014 to 2021, there were 204 shootings that weren't at gun-free zones. And out of those 204 shootings that happened, 104 of them were stopped by non-law enforcement civilians. And another thing that is really telling about that also is, out of that 104 that were stopped by non-law enforcement, there were no innocent bystanders hit by whoever stopped the shooting. And Mm -hmm. I was in that stat because it was Mm -hmm. 2017. So Mm
0: -hmm.
2: my shooting was in that stat. And people say, oh, I'll wait for. You know, I was on a liberal radio sh- radio uh, show not long ago, and the shooter said, I don't want a person, a Larry Moe or Curly like you, coming to say to me. Me.
0: <laughs> what, what will you do, first of all? Uh, Why they, were you on this show in the first place? They booked, they
2: booked
0: <laughs> me. Okay. And, all right. And, but, uh, <laughs> Into the, into the lion's den. I don't know if we should call them lions. The jackal's well, den, probably. I'll yeah. do
2: that because mm-hmm. what I told him is, is the police were five to seven minutes behind me. Mm-hmm. Would you be willing to sit in a church with a madman with unlimited ammunition and wait for police another five to seven minutes when you've got someone like myself that hit the shooter six out of six rounds? Not Mm -hmm. one of my rounds went anywhere other than into the shooter. Mm -hmm. Would you rather wait for the police officers that have a national percentage of hits of seventeen percent in firefights?
0: Yeah. Um, No, I. I, I'll take my. I'll take my chances. I'll take my chances with uh, a sheepdog like you out there. Over nothing, man. I'll, I'll take my chances, you know, because you're not you. You didn't go there to shoot to shoot people. You went there to stop an evil, broken person, you know. And um, yeah, man, I'll, I'll take my chances with that.
2: And and yeah. I'm, I'm going to say something else here, too, because mm-hmm. and I've said that several times. I didn't shoot him because I hated him. I shot him because I loved everybody that was in that church. Mm hmm. I didn't go over there looking to kill someone. I didn't want that. But he left me no choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know any of us that do this that are praying for that. I know I'm not, man. I think if you're out there and if, if you do this, you're a person who wants to be, you want to be prepared. You want to be able to defend yourself. And you want to be able to take care of the people around you that, you know, your friends, your family, people you love. But you don't hope and pray for bad things to happen so that you can be a hero or something like that. I don't think you you probably do a lot of thinking in a situation like that if it really happened. You do a lot of reacting, you know, either you run away from that situation or you run into that situation, right?
2: Yeah, I always tell people if you see this much fat running... There's a problem. You better keep up.
0: <laughs> um, I don't. <laughs> you like that, Jordan? Huh? <laughs> you got that thought in your. He you got that thought <laughs> in, in your mind.
2: <laughs> Jordan knows how fat I am. <laughs>
0: it's
1: good. I, fat. I, was, I was thinking of something when Stephen was talking. I'm highly involved with my church's security team, and mm-hmm. um, you know I. Um, I pray nothing ever happens. Like like we were saying earlier, I don't want, you know, anything bad to happen to my fellow church go- goers. But I, I try to prepare our church as best we can because we realize that there's evil people in the world who, for whatever reason, again, reasons I don't understand, I can't comprehend, but they want to cause harm to the good people who want to hear God's word preach on Sunday morning. And so we take measures to protect to protect mm-hmm. our churchgoers. And you know, that protecting good innocent people is such a major uh, my phone likes to keep slipping, but yeah. <laughs> it's such a major bunch of you motivating factor for me because mm-hmm. I love my fellow man. I, I love my church goers. I you know, I don't even know somebody. We we have a rather large church. I don't even know some of the people walking in the door, but but I love them and I want to protect them. And you know, like I said, I pray to God nothing ever happens, but but I, I'm ready to protect them as best that I can.
0: Yeah, and I think that um, pe- people need to think about this. There's places out there that th- that these kinds of monsters uh, seek out when they decide that they want to hurt other people. Uh, places of worship, not not just Christian churches. Um, sure. Any place of worship, of worship, I think, is uh, vulnerable to these attacks and should think about um, hardening uh, their buildings and things like that. It's unfortunate that we live in a world like this. You know, where a synagogue, a church, a mosque. Um, any kind of temple w- would be in danger. It's sad to think that, but this is the reality of the world we live in. Same thing with schools and um, other soft soft targets out there. And it's funny how what's the stats on this? How often do we see these people? And they straight they, they decide. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go to a police station. <laughs> We don't see that that often. I think we have, we probably have seen it. Like I'm sure anything's happened once or twice. But they don't decide to do that. They decide to go after people who have no ability to fight back, and they decide to, to, to murder people who did nothing to them.
2: Understand? You know? We came back from the gathering
0: mm-hmm.
2: there in in South Carolina. Was that a cool event? How many was it there? What, probably ten to fifteen thousand people were at the gathering. Uh, I heard somebody say that they they figured out that I think we had 17 bays of shooting, and uh, they were averaging 10,000 rounds per bay of ammunition shot out <laughs> per day per yeah. day. Wow. And funny thing, nobody got hurt, did they? Thank they God. matched yeah, Mass yeah. Shooter didn't mm-hmm. decide, well, I'm going to go out there to the gathering and I'm going to shoot up mm-hmm. a bunch of people at the gathering. Why not?
0: It would have been a bad day. It
2: would have <laughs> been a bad day the
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah.
2: Because at the gathering, people tell me all the time, look, what you did, a very small percentage of people in this world would do. And okay, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you, when I'm in an event like The Gathering, these are our people. And I would say a very high percentage of the people that come to something like The Gathering, like maybe even 70% of the people that came to The Gathering would react like I did, would go I, to gunshots, mm-hmm. and would mm-hmm. actually go to stop something. People that we hang out with, Are the people that we are the sheepdogs? We are the ones that we don't go look for a fight, Mm -hmm. but if a fight comes to our our neighborhood, then so be it. We'll step into it.
0: Yeah, it makes this makes me mad from um, anti gun folks out there. Uh, A lot of liberal folks that uh, you know want to want to do damage to the Constitution, especially the Second Amendment. They they feel like people who own firearms are somehow irresponsible people. And it's the opposite. It's the it's the exact opposite of that, right? Now there's folks out there who have guns and aren't responsible. We see this all the time. We see a lot of criminals and all that kind of stuff putting stuff out there. But the but gun owners, people in the gun community uh, like you said, people who would go to these kind of shows, people who seek out training and and they seek out fellowship with other gun folks for, for whatever reason, right? Even if they just want to talk about, hey, how what, how how can I put together this a nice AR fifteen? These are responsible people. It's the definition of being a gun owner. All
2: right? It absolutely is. So so we go to we go to a range we take care of our own guns. We buy our own guns. We buy our own ammunition. We go to a range. We train. Why do we train? Well, it's golfing for men in so many ways. Uh, but but we train because we enjoy it. We enjoy the sport, which by the way, as sports go, firearm sports are the lowest rate of injury of any sport in the world. So we go out there, we train, we do what we do. And we 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 do it because we love it uh mm-hmm. not not that we're looking for a fight mm-hmm. not that we're looking we're not vigilantes we're not running around looking for you know uh, honestly if i w- would have run across the street on that day and i would have seen police department there okay then you can have it
0: hmm yeah um <laughs> Oh, you heard you heard the ding that time. You are a sheepdog, man. You got we got you trained. We got you trained to that bell the first time. Right
1: on, right on time, Stephen.
0: That was, dog. Um, so hold on. Uh, there's some questions coming in, but we got like 30 something seconds here for us to, to do this. So we're probably the best thing to do is take a break. But, um, in the 20 something seconds we have here, I do want to remind everyone that Palmetto State Armory has the AR-15 Sheepdog. It's a lower, and I'll try to throw up, throw up some uh, pictures and things like that here that um is in honor to Stephen williford you guys can go there buy it and 10 bucks goes to goa so check that out i'll throw something up when we come back here and i've got a question for for both of you guys when we get back we wouldn't be able to keep the who Move my freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like high point firearms and full forge gear bags and gear for everyday life Did you know High Point is an American family owned and operated company located in Ohio with over 30 years of manufacturing experience. High Point is proud to be the home of the working man's gun and your source for affordable handguns and carbines with a lifetime warranty. So when you're in the market, please consider Hype. All right. So let me throw this up here. You guys can check it out. I think uh, there's a link or Lola's going to put a link. I saw 42 chilled also has a link there. So this is it basically right here. If we zoom in on that, uh, very, you know, I call that tactical, tactical fat. That's what that shape is. Steven tactical fat right there. Sheepdog 15. Um, Lola, you need to order us like two of these so that, uh, we, we can next time we see Steven, we can get him to, you know, maybe sign off on one of those or something let's look at the oh here we go let's let's look at the actual lower here let's get some close-ups so you got safety you got liberty and goa on the selector <laughs> really cool um jordan do you want to tell us a little bit about this and then maybe we'll get steven to talk about it a little bit how this come about
1: oh boy um you know I, I think it's it's really awesome and we're very grateful to the psa for for doing this you know like hank said $10 um, goes to GOA. So not only are you getting a great platform to go out and build whatever you want, you're also helping support GOA in our efforts as well. So uh, we're just so grateful to PSA. They're one of our biggest supporters and we love them. I've been a customer of theirs for a while and and they're in, in it with the fight with GOA and we're so grateful for their support.
0: Yeah, PSA, awesome company um, that is committed uh, you know, to making Firearms affordable to Americans out there, right? Uh, this is definitely uh, one of the ways that prevents a lot of folks out in the world from from being able to participate. In this uh, sport, hobby, and uh, martial art—a way of life—literally is uh, what it costs to do this, and they're doing lots of good things, and, and I commend them for that. You know, when you when you look at stuff like the dagger, I think we were talking about that before we started. There's a lot that PSA is doing, and I don't know if everyone out there recognizes it. Uh, Steven, how how did you know? What do you think about all this when these guys came to you? I don't know how that worked out, but how do you think about having your image on an AR-15?
2: I want, I want to point out also, if you'll uh, zero in, and mm-hmm. uh, the serial number larger also.
0: Oh, yeah. So, Let's go check that out. Let's so see. Uh, the serial number? Yeah. Okay.
2: BFD.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> they
2: call me Barefoot Defender. Oh, okay. So BFD stands for Barefoot Defender, and then the serial number after that.
0: I was thinking um, big freaking deal. <laughs> well, that, that's for,
2: that's for barefoot defender,
0: right? Um, awesome.
2: So yeah. I think that's really cool. Uh, they saw mm-hmm. my logo, and that's a uh, logo that I have had for. My son-in-law called me the barefoot defender first, and I thought, wow, uh, okay, and I, I went ahead and adopted that because when the Israelites left. Egypt. They left Egypt so quickly that they didn't let their bread rise. And now they have the Feast of the Unleavened Bread to celebrate and to let everybody know how urgent it was to get out of Israel. So when he called me the barefoot defender, I thought, how better to emphasize to people out there how how quickly, how urgent it is to get into the fight that I had no time to put shoes on. So um, it lets people know that when when it's going on, uh, you run to the battle as you are. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you got shoes on. But uh, if you don't, you don't mm-hmm. have time. People say, "Really, you don't didn't take time to put shoes on?" And I tell them, "You're lucky I had pants on."
0: <laughs> or you know, it might, it might it might have been something enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah.
2: And when, when you mentioned the dagger, by the way, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, I just found out Palmetto State Armory is mm-hmm. doing some uh, some Easter
0: uh, sales. sales. Oh, awesome. And yeah.
2: I actually purchased a full-size dagger mm-hmm. with the high sights on it, the suppressor size sights, mm-hmm. uh, with the threaded barrel and the cutout for the... Uh, The The optic optic Mm -hmm. on it, and it comes with ten high capacity, ten standard capacity
0: magazines. (laughs) Right? Okay. Awesome. Awesome.
2: Seventeen round magazines with Mm -hmm. it and a bag for four hundred nineteen dollars, which is ridiculous.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah.
2: That that tiger is a clone of a Glock. It uses mostly Glock parts, and it just absolutely. Uh, rocks and I, when I saw the Easter specials that they were doing I had to go get one
0: yes now I'm sure if PSA was here the legal guys would say it's not a clone of the, of a Glock but uh, for the convenience <laughs> of the public <laughs> they made sure that it was compatible <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing with you Steven because I had them on and every time I said that I got hit with no <laughs> you know this is not. So uh, uh, let me say this. Asper Warrior says, if you had no pants on, then it would be the BDD. So you can figure that out, what that means. <laughs> <laughs> you can figure that out if you want to. And uh, for everyone who's listening to audio, yes, Jordan's blushing. Okay. Um, <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me ask this question. I think Lola asked this. Lola wanted to know if the folks at GOA have, um, like, if, if you guys think about these kinds of stuff, you know? Uh, a, a situation like this um, that's happening around uh, the country from these people, uh, man, I, you know, for me, I feel weird talking about it because I don't want anything to happen to you guys. But do you guys have measures and things like that? Do you guys spend time training? Um, you know, and, and don't, like, divulge anything to us, but do you guys prepare, unfortunately, for moments like this happening?
1: Well, I'll just speak for for myself. I, I'm blessed to... Uh, have a range on my property and i don't i still don't get to shoot as much as i would like but i I do train as often as i can when i'm not on the road for goa um and i shoot and and i'm you know i don't claim to be a john wick or anything but i'm competent uh with with my firearms and i carry everywhere i go and uh, um i'm always i'm ready to protect myself um and i i'm always i try to be situational aware and be looking around for potential threats and and um you know god forbid if i gotta go to work i gotta go to work so um hope she always got some good attorneys for me um but you know i and i don't think you know there's a certain target on my back because i work for goa right um but i i just you know it goes back to what I said earlier. I want to protect good, innocent people, and that's why I carry a gun. That's why I train. So
0: Yeah. I would think like going back to the conversation we were having earlier, I would think that people like this, you know, it, it would be just as likely as they would go to a pre- police precinct, you know? Uh a place called gun Owners of America probably. You know, <laughs> you now, know if it, you've you know. lost your mind. Mm-hmm many people uh,
1: you know GOA we have people all over the country, and you know I don't work in an office, right mm-hmm. um, you know, but I do know our our Springfield office where we're headquartered it, there's lots of guns in that office, so that's not a not a soft target that you would want to to attack so yeah I'll just so leave it's there. you're
0: saying it's not is not a gun free zone no. no. <laughs>
2: uh, we, we are fighting the gun-free zones nationwide it may yeah. be a gun-free zone exactly
0: that would be the the highest level of hypocrisy so Pearl, uh, it
2: is it is really kind of cool because when i fly and i go all over this country uh speaking for goa and generally when i fly uh so when i went to Uh, South Carolina. I met Jordan there. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I met up with Jordan, he pulls out a pistol and hands me a pistol and said, here, this is what you're carrying as long as you're here. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and if I go to, uh, I'm going to go to Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm going to meet up with Monty Bowen, which is our Pacific regional director. Mm -hmm. And, and I meet up with Monty, he's already got a pistol for me to carry when I'm in Arizona. You know, mm-hmm. I, I flew out. I was in Wyoming not long ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met with Mark Jones. And Mark Jones gave me a pistol, said, this is what you're carrying as long as you're here. You know, okay. as long as there's... I'm assuming recipes.
0: when you land in Alaska, it's like a 10 millimeter. I don't know if it changes <laughs> as you go around the... <laughs> oh, <laughs> absolutely,
2: in Alaska, needs to be a 10 millimeter, you know... Uh-huh. the four-legged predators out there are way bigger than the you know and,
1: and, and that that goes to it goa people are gun people like uh, i tell people all the time i live a second amendment lifestyle i i carry a gun everywhere i go there's some days i don't leave the house but i don't get out of bed with putting out, without putting a gun in my pants you know that, that's just my lifestyle you know i'm in a room right now with lots of guns you know and and i'm ready to use them god forbid right Mm -hmm. but you know we we don't it's just not theoretical for us it's just not something we write about or or we think about but it's a lifestyle that we live we we own guns we carry guns we shoot guns we hunt with guns Mm -hmm. we this is a part of our our
0: life yeah i think um you know there, there was a friend of mine who's a trainer a long time ago told me this is a martial art and you know gun ownership is a martial art and I, I believe that. And, and, you know, like any other martial arts, it's a, it's a form, it's your life, right? You're not just uh, practicing and training in the use of this sword or your hands uh, or your feet. You know, this, this whole thing becomes your discipline and your way of life, if that makes sense to, to you guys.
2: And, and also, right along with that, and mm-hmm. which. Go That's ahead, final. you can show
0: off, Jordan. Yeah, you can show. He's showing so, off okay. right now, Steve. He's, well, telling, he's showing off. He's flex because he's he knows Steve is in the car and didn't bring his arsenal <laughs> with him, so now he wants to flex.
1: <laughs> so, so, all right, we're talking about ten millimeter, which is the best millimeter, and and this. Oh is, Lord, this what is did is I get my, started? Okay. My Glock twenty. There's many mm-hmm. like it, but this one's mine, and a mm-hmm. um, the flashlight up front, and I, I, um. I put, I have a little point delta point micro on this, and some people don't like this sight, but I do. And um, one of my goals is to take a deer with a handgun. So, one, maybe this deer season, if the opportunity pre- protects, uh, presents itself, I will. But this is my Woods gun because you never know when you're running to, to Bigfoot. And you know I I just I just wanted to be prepared when I need Bigfoot because that would be that would look really good on my wall. I like how you said that with a straight face. (laughs) So but you you never know, right? So this this is my gun for the the woods my ten millimeter. And then while Uh we're at it, this is my Uh new gun. Uh, for, for other places, this is the Shadow Systems XR 920. I'm so sorry about my phone slipping, but um, yeah. I really like this gun, <laughs> it's my peanut butter gun. Um, my wife has a purple gun,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so together they're peanut butter and jelly. Oh, wow, so, so <laughs> that, that's, kind of, that's kind of our joke. So, right. I, I got peanut butter, she has jelly,
0: and uh-huh. um.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, right. They, we don't go anywhere, anywhere without our peanut butter and jelly. Nice. That's really cool. Well, Steven, go ahead. What, when mm-hmm. you talk
2: about caring as a lifestyle,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, there is another podcast out there that talks about good, sane, moral, prudent people. Mm-hmm. And you need to be that. You need to mm-hmm. be more aware when you're caring. You need to be understanding mm-hmm. that if somebody tries to lure you into a fight, that it's better to back down, swallow a little pride back down instead of forcing an issue where you might be forced to take someone else's life Mm -hmm. uh, over just an argument or something too. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Uh, So uh, they say an armed society is a polite society and it is indeed, even when somebody uh, tries to escalate something over something that's minor It's better for you as a gun owner to walk away from it if it's not threatening anybody. Uh, And I tell people all the time, if you're not willing to go to jail for what's going on, don't pull a gun. You have to know, and again, that day when I ran across the street, I knew the consequences of me not doing it were greater than the consequences of possibly going to jail. Mm -hmm. And if you use that as a measuring stick, the responsibility of gun ownership sometimes may be perceived by someone as, well, you didn't stand up for yourself. Well, it wasn't worth me taking someone's life if he got violent. It was better to walk away from that and maybe take a little bit of a, um, you know, swallow a little pride and walk away and be good sane sober and prudent and don't get into that fight to begin with
0: yeah when you say that what the the image that immediately comes to my mind that this was going around like instagram i've seen it on twitter there was uh some kids skateboarding or something like that and a guy pulls up with his car and then gets out with his gun for some reason and i was like what why you know, because these kids are skateboarding, he's, like, getting out and walking around with his gun, no, listen, there are some people like that, no, that is not what this life is about, that's not why we do this, Um, you know, it's, um, it's sad when you see people doing that, but, you know, unfortunately, there's just, there's some, there's some folks out there who don't understand that kind of stuff, right, so uh, Lola thinks peanut butter and jelly is funny, so there you go, um, and Asper She worries. keeps
1: my sense of humor.
0: Lola is right, wonderful. Yeah, well, yeah. I love Lola. I got to meet her, oh, though. <laughs> she's, she's very cool. Yeah. We're all yes, going to
1: love,
2: awesome. no. love on Lola for a moment.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: We, Lola's awesome. We all awesome. married up, okay? That, that's yeah. clear. We all married up.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. I haven't had a chance to, to meet Steven's wife yet, um, but I'm sure, you know. You don't, my, you don't get to be, you don't get to look, you know, to look this sexy, <laughs> this much, uh, tactical fat. You don't get that without a woman taking care of you. If you, if you didn't have a good woman, you'd be skinny. <laughs> my,
2: my wife graduated with a 4.0 GPA from Harding Christian university. i mm. married up. I know it. I'm good with that. All my kids, uh, were 4.0 GPA in school and stuff, and and I blame that all on my wife. Uh, mm-hmm. I certainly didn't graduate with that kind of a uh, uh, a grade, so yeah. I'm yeah, made up, I'm good with that.
0: Yeah, okay, I understand. Uh, sometimes people, you know, people are always asking me, and I know what it means. They're like, oh, or they say, or they ask me. You know, oh, you're so lucky to meet Lola. Or how did you how did you meet Lola? I know what they're really thinking. They're like thinking like, how did this woman decide to deal with you <laughs> of you know, all the dudes in the world? And you know, I've got all kinds of different answers. My favorite one is I learned hypnosis a long time ago.
1: <laughs> so so <Wow. laughs> I'm actually kind of worried about my marriage because my wife recently got glasses. So I'm like, i hope <laughs> she doesn't leave me. So
0: yeah. <laughs> Oh, she loves you, man. Uh, she takes care of you. Does. You are spoiled. You see? Okay, do you We're see? Okay. Do you see me and Steven? This is you. This is this is your future right here. You're gonna this look like future. us. Yeah. Be, oh boy. Just enjoy your skinniness right now, Jordan. It's not forever. <laughs> it's not oh forever. Boy.
2: All that cute, all that cuteness, all that man cuteness will go away. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is where you're headed right here, buddy. And it's, it's, it's a good. I, I hope my wife does go blind. <laughs> it's a good life over here. It's a. It's not a bad yeah. life, right? It's not yeah. bad. Yeah, it's not so bad. Um, oh, Edward Andrews says Hank is fully blessed to have Lola. There you go. Um, we've got a couple of minutes here. Uh, so I know there's a couple of things I want to talk about training. Jordan, do you, do you, um, you have a company I think called, uh, dry powder training. We'll start it here and we'll go into the next thing. Tell us a little oh, bit. Oh about
1: boy. That. I guess the word's getting out. It's a little, it's a little side project I, I have, but I, mm-hmm. I, I, am a firearms instructor and, and, uh, that really just started out again, back to my church security team and, um, you know, uh, we had a couple of range days at the house and, and I kind of took lead on some things. And uh, some of the other security team members noticed, hey, Jordan, you're, you're a good instructor. You should, you know, consider doing this. And um, um, so I got certified as, as a firearms instructor and, uh, you know, I kind of specialized in, in new shooters as well as, you know the, the church security space so that, that's kind of the niche that i'm in and, it, and it's it's just something outside of goa you know not connected with goa something i do in my spare time mm-hmm. you know but it, it's something i'm passionate about and i just love the the look that people get when they shoot a gun they hit the bullseye and it's just it's just so fun so mm-hmm. it's something i really enjoy to do
0: yeah and and uh i think it's all of our responsibility To, um, in whatever ways, everyone doesn't have to do this in the same way, but to help usher other people into the firearms world. I was in the barbershop today. There was a young gentleman I met there that just got his CCWs asking me a bunch of questions. Uh, My barber was encouraging him to ask me because I got my my barber into the the, the gun world as well. So I think, you know, that's part of our responsibility. So for anyone who wants to know about that is dry powder training, right? Yep, that's it. Okay, there you go. We're going to take a break. We'll talk about that, but I want to ask Stephen about training as well. We're coming up. After that. With Arms List, you can shop the extensive list of local and nationwide firearms classified. Now with more confidence because of their built-in firewall. For only $6.99 a month for personal use or $30 a month for business vendors. So when you're in the market, please consider Arms List. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of great companies like ArmsList. List. So I think, you know, Stephen, uh, obviously this is our first time having you on, right? And I hope uh, I could tell from just meeting you that uh, <laughs> that we're going to get along and we'll get you to come back on here in the future. But I, I want to make sure I ask you this the first time. Um, this thing that happened to you, you didn't, like, start—I I know you did never—maybe, probably never expected something like this to happen— but you just didn't come to this moment right then, when it happened. Right? There was things in your life that happened that prepared you for this moment, if if that's like the best way to put it. Can you, uh, you know, talk to us a little bit about that? Explain to us what you did um, when it came to training or preparedness before this happened.
2: Well, for for first off, is when I was like five years old, my father taught me how to shoot with a five thirteen Remington. T 513 t which was a target rifle uh, and uh he taught me firearm safety he taught me uh marksmanship we used to shoot 10 cans and uh when i got a little older i was hunting rabbits and uh you know coyotes to help you know to uh protect it- our
0: livestock and stuff okay i'm, I'm trying to see if i could pull up is it this
2: it's a bolt act yes, very, yes. Oh, with cool. no, it's-
0: no so that- okay.
2: That was actually my father's very first gun, and mm-hmm. uh, he passed it to me when I was five years old. And talk- like I say, I-, I shot rabbits for food, and my friends and I would go out, and we'd pass through a certain field where there was a lot of cactus, and we knew there was a lot of cottontail rabbits, mm-hmm. and we'd hunt those rabbits, and we would, uh, uh, we had a, a uh, cast iron uh, pot that we would cut them up and put them in there and fix rabbit chili out there in the field. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, okay. So, uh,
2: you know, and then he bought me a, a Winchester single shot 410 breakover and I started bird hunting with that. So at a very young age, uh, I was, you know, living on a farm and firearms were kind of a way of life. And when I got to be an adult, I started shooting and I, I shot with a, um, he was a Lieutenant Colonel in the air force. He was a chaplain. Hmm. And when he saw how I shot, he said, you know, you're pretty good. You Have you ever thought about shooting in competition? And I said, Oh, I'm, I'm not good enough for competition. And he said, well, if you don't start shooting competition, you'll never be good enough for competition. Hmm. And, okay. uh, So he started getting me into a local range and I would, uh, I would encourage people to do that. And this local range had league shooting once a week shooting. And it it wasn't IDPA or anything like that. It was, um, they would each week, they would think of something in their heads to get you. And they, they, you had to have a team of five to compete. And so uh, one week to the next, you'd walk out and you'd have no clue what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And So just for instance, one week we walked out, they had a plastic baby doll on the table and a box of diapers. It's like, oh, what have they got us doing this week? Well, the whistle blew and you were to take the Diaper off of the baby that was on the table, mm-hmm. grab a diaper out of the, the, out of the package, diaper the baby, throw it up on your weak hand, shoulder, mm-hmm. and engage targets while you were walking, shielding the baby away from uh, the targets. Mm-hmm. And you stopped to mm-hmm. take that shot, they added another five seconds to your time. And at the end of the table, you switch the baby to your strong shoulder. Hmm. Now you had to pick up the gun and reload and rechamber with the the table. And then re-engage the targets walking back through this time with your weak hand only sh- shielding the baby away from the targets. And then at the end, you know, they took the time and converted it into score and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then another time we walked out. And there was a canister of earplugs on the table and a welding hood. They said, you won't need your earmuffs because they won't work with welding hood. And when the whistle blew, you had the welding hood on. They said, this week we're going to practice low light training. Mm. So when when you pull up your welding hood, you could see your hands and the pistol through the welding shield, but it was dark. And so you couldn't see your sights. You could see the outline of everything and you could see the silhouette target behind. And it also emulates tunnel vision. So you had to move your head back and forth because you're looking through this little welding glass. And so, it's practicing low light training and it's and this good. was
0: how did you get involved in this because this sounds pretty cool was this part of uh, you said the chaplain um invited well, you to this this was
2: a chaplain uh told me that i should find competition mm-hmm. and start competing mm-hmm. and so this mm-hmm. local shooting range would do this every week okay. mm-hmm. and so we came up with a shooting team and we call ourselves we were all part of the same church. We call ourselves the the sinners because mm-hmm. sin in the Bible, the word sin is taken from uh, a word that means it's an archery term, meaning missing the target. Hmm.
0: Okay. And so I think we, I heard that the first time from you when we met uh, a few weekends ago. Yeah. I never knew that.
2: So uh, we called ourselves the sinners mm-hmm. and We started competing together and one of our centers was a former army ranger and a San Antonio police officer. And in between competitions, him and I would go out and we would train together uh, to make ourselves better competing and stuff. So for three weeks straight, he trained me what to do if ever confronted with body armor. Okay. And why would a plumber have ever needed to know what to do if ever confronted with body armor? I think God had a purpose for that training. Mm -hmm. And So for three weeks straight, he taught me, he said, shoot them in the armor. They'll feel it. Look for your chance. Put one in the side, one in the hips, and one in the legs. He'd say the one in the side will kill him. The one in the hips is what we call an anchor shot. It'll stop him. The one in the legs will slow him down. And when he started moving and shooting at me, uh, I hit him in the body armor and uh, he felt it. He ran for his vehicle that was parked in the middle of the street uh, with the driver's side door open and the engine running. When he turned to his side, I put one in his side, high in his side. I put one in his legs and he got in the vehicle and he put two shots through the side window I put one where I perceived his head to be because I couldn't see it because of the reflection of the glass. But I knew where his head was, and it broke right underneath the helmet. Uh, right across his forehead, right underneath the brim of the helmet. No. He accelerated, he turned the corner, and he, he ran as fast as his vehicle could take him down the road. Mm-hmm. I got in the middle of the street, by the time I got in the middle of the street, He was about 150 yards away. I put one through the back windshield. It went through the driver's side seat and it hit him right of the left shoulder blade as he topped the hill and out of sight. But that training meant everything on that day. And it's really interesting uh, because I was invited to the uh, governor's roundtable meeting after the El Paso shooting. And I found out that there were eight concealed carry permit holders in that Walmart that day. None of them uh, confronted the shooter. They got their families out of the Walmart safely. And that's that's honorable and that's great. Uh, and I re- think the reason that they didn't engage the shooter was probably because they didn't have the training and the right mindset.
0: Now, just to re- refresh my memory. There was a Walmart cl- uh, close by. Were you in the? No, you weren't in the Walmart. Uh, right. uh, well, no, it was a
2: different situation. Oh, this in is a El- different
0: situation we're talking about. Okay, all right, I got it. Okay, mm-hmm.
2: in El Paso, Texas. Oh, that's,
0: okay. Yes, yes, yes. I know what you're. Ta- I know what you're mm-hmm. talking about now. Yes, yeah, sorry about that. Right, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
2: My bad. I didn't go mm-hmm. in. But mm-hmm. at that. And I was asked to the roundtable meeting after mm-hmm. that shooting, and the governor basically told. Uh, we found out that there were eight concealed permit holders in that Walmart mm-hmm. that that got their families out safe, but they didn't confront the shooter, and it's probably because of lack of training. Yeah, you know it. If you're, I don't believe there should be training to exercise your Second Amendment rights. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I believe you have the Second Amendment right to carry, if you never take any training. But I truly believe that if you are responsible, you'll go get some training, and, because otherwise you are not gonna, you're not going to engage a shooter.
0: Right, training creates instinct. If you know that's what training is, it creates an instinct. So when something happens, you don't think you react based on your training.
2: And and this is perfect because you were talking about that it is a martial art mm-hmm. uh, also. I, I would say that I believe that a hundred percent. Because somebody before the shooting ever happened to me, somebody said, because they used to train classes, he said, How do you know that you would react? if something ever happened and i would always tell people i don't know that i would react you can't know that you're going to react but just like when you're taking say taekwondo or karate or something each time that you advance to another belt you have to show your proficiency proficiency In certain amount of moves to be able to advance to the next, you're not fighting somebody when you're showing that proficiency. You're practicing, and why do you practice? Well, if somebody throws a punch like this, you know how to swat it away. Mm -hmm. Because if you have to think in your head, oh, he just threw a punch at me, Mm -hmm. I need, you know, then you will be reacting to his actions, and it it won't be fast enough. But yeah. if you practice it enough, enough time, the muscle memory, your subconscious mind takes over and you react quickly mm-hmm. because you don't have to think about it. And it's the same thing with firearms training and stuff. You will learn to to run into gunfire, if you will. You will know what to do when you, when you do. And uh, you're a whole lot more likely to win that gunfight. So that guy had multiple loaded magazines, multiple guns, and I ran across the street with eight rounds. But the training that I went through before that day won the day. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be a responsible gun owner and you think that you might be the sheepdog, if you will, Mm -hmm. that will protect and that will run into a battle mm-hmm. then you better start training today otherwise you will be reactive and if you get your family out safely that's good that's mm-hmm. honorable that's, that's cool but if if I would have been in that Walmart situation and I can say this and people believe me because I've I've run into gunfire before if I would have been in that Walmart I would have told my family, hit the door, run, don't look back, don't worry about me. I'll confront the shooter. And that gives my family, because if I'm confronting the sh- shooter, he's not worried about my family. And my family is more likely to escape with their lives. And I may save your family also.
0: Mhm. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, you know... um, I think that, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I read uh, The Sword in the Stone. I think that's the name of the book. Remember that? About um, uh, King Arthur and how he became King Arthur. And uh, one of the things that stuck in my brain for some reason, uh, you know, in those stories was Lancelot, right? And Lancelot was this great knight, but he believed what made him great, it was that he was deliberate, and that is the thing if you strive for greatness you need to be deliberate and ultimately that's what that's what training is about and i get it like i i can't i can't go do as much uh training as i would like to do i know there's expenses and things like that behind it but um you know just try to be a deliberate person in the things that you do the more that you don't have to spend a lot of money in order to train and think about these things and be prepared but really it's something that it's just your instincts i think uh, if anyone's ever actually been in a fight like you know you're actually in a fist fight with someone you don't how often do you see, see that coming like we were talking about earlier a lot of people out there they don't want to see that you're gonna swing that they're gonna swing on you Right? Or that they're about to attack you. You you wind up in that fight before you realize it. And now it just comes down to your instincts and how you react to it.
2: Uh, I, and, you know, uh, to look back in history, I, I, you know, after watching Tombstone and stuff and all my life, you know, hearing about White Earp and think about White Earp for a moment because White Earp had been in multiple gunfights. And White Earp they found bullets in his duster and he never got touched with a bullet. Mm. Uh, and say in a gunfight, White Earp was just dead calm. Mm-hmm. White, White Earp had a saying mm. and his saying was, he was quoted as saying, fast is fine. Accuracy is final. You mm. must learn to be slow at a hurried pace.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, so White Earp, what that tells me when you really break that down is White Earp was, in the moment, was calm, and he was deliberate, like you said. Mm -hmm. He took shots when he had shots, and he didn't take shots when he didn't have shots. They ambushed him one time, and White Earp, everybody ran away except White Earp, and he pulled his pistols. And they said he was deliberate. And every shot he took landed on what he was aiming. Mm-hmm. He was deliberate and he was calm. And I'm going to tell you that's not the first time that White Earp ever pulled the trigger on a gun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about this, Jordan, listening to it? I'm curious to see. It's it's fascinating to listen to, to Stephen uh, tell the story and analyze this stuff.
1: Well, you know honestly it's really encouraging to me because you know i I wonder you know in a god forbid situation if i have the the muster and the courage to do what's needed right and and it's so encouraging to me to hear steven who let's face it the, the man did it right he he hit six out of six shots
0: you know um I mean, how? He, that's he, like, that makes me think like, dude, <laughs> what? Yeah, well, go ahead. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. He
1: was practiced, right? Right, yeah. He was practiced. Mm-hmm. But, you know, also I think, you know, God had a hand in it. Uh, I'll be, that. that's, I'm convinced of that after hearing his story and talking with Stephen. Stephen mm-hmm. and I, we talk a lot, we do a lot of events together if you can't tell. But, right. you know, but I'm so encouraged by hearing someone who's been through it, who's been there, done it, saying that, yeah, I think, I think you could do it too. You know, when he says, you know, most people who would go to a, a, a range event, yeah, they're going to step up and do it. That is so encouraging to me because that's something like, because I want to do it right, But in my mind, I'm like, am I really going to gonna step up and do it? I want to, but mm-hmm. or am I going to cower it out? So that's such a great encouragement from Steven. Um, I don't even think he knows that, but it's just, it really helps me so much knowing that someone who's been there and done it thinks I can do it too. Yeah.
2: So so to go to that point, uh, I have and I know we're coming up on a break real quick and I got a pretty long point to make. But um, and maybe we'll just catch it right after the break.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Go for it. We'll uh, yeah, we'll extend the time. Don't worry about it. We're listening.
2: Okay. so a police officer friend of mine, he was he's actually a friend of one of my friends. A son of one of my friends and has become a a good friend of mine, too. But uh, when he was very young, uh, he used to hang out with my buddy and I. And uh, when he got older, he's now a police chief at uh, Holotus Texas. And he, after Uvalde, he called me up and he said, you know, Stephen, I I would like to say that uh, after you did what you did, I was saying that. Yeah, I would do that too, he said. And then Uvalde happened, and he said it it made me really take a deep, long look at would I really react? Yeah. That, that, the officers at y- Yuvalbi didn't, he said, we're going to no. take a
0: break. We wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of a DAO or decentralized autonomous organization like Tusk Crypto. Tusk Cryptocurrency is a firearm friendly e-commerce option for online payment transactions secured on the blockchain. So when you're in the crypto market, please consider Tusk T-U-S-C. Yeah. I'm enjoying this conversation so much. I apologize. Um, It it seems like time is going so fast. We were talking about you, Uvalde. Um, uh, Go ahead, Stephen.
2: So he was saying after Uvalde, it made him question his resolve. He said, could I really, could I really run into gunfire? And I said, Kevin, do you want me to help you with this? I said, because I can help you. Uh, I can help you with your mindset because you have to ask yourself, what does my tomorrow look like? And you have to think about it before that happens. If, if a shooter is shooting, and you have to make that decision, you're gonna run into this shooting. Uh, the question you ask yourself now is, what does my tomorrow look like? Because your tomorrow may look like six uniformed officers with white gloves carrying your casket to put on the grave, mm-hmm. that and then giving you a 21-gun salute, did you deserve that honor? Mm-hmm. That might be your tomorrow, there's no guarantees. That might be your tomorrow if you run into gunfire. Or your tomorrow could look like my today, where I can look back and I know that I did everything I could that, that when, when I think about it late at night, I can sleep because I know that I did everything I could to stop it. Or w- would your tomorrow look like getting up in the morning and putting on your police vest and going to shave your face and looking at the man in the mirror and say, you coward, you did nothing and people died. You had the ability and you had the tools and you didn't run into the gunfire. Uh, And I'm going to tell you, there's things in this life that are worse than dying. And that to me is worse than dying. To live honorable, maybe I'm a Klingon, you know, death before dishonor, you know, but to live life honorable, I said, Kevin, if, if you run into gunfire, And you die in that gunfire, saving people or giving someone else a little bit more time to stop the shooter Then your your son. He has a son. I said, your son will know what kind of man you are. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. if you live your life to 105 years old and you refuse to go in when it happened and you regret that the rest of your life, there's some things that are worse than dying. Every one of us, you, me, and Jordan, even though Jordan's got a lot less, a lot more time left on his clock than you and you and I maybe, but Jordan, we are, we're all gonna die. And it's not about how you die, but it's about how you live your life. Mm-hmm. And if you remember that, so me, I'm a Christian. When I die, I know where I'm going, and I have no doubt. You know, it's it's through Christ's blood that makes sure that I know that I'm going to meet my Maker, and and I hope to hear, "Well done, good and faithful servant." I don't want to hear God ask me, "Why didn't you do what I asked you to do when I asked you to do it?" Mm-hmm. And we're all going to have to face that day. What and. When you realize how short life is, even if you do live to 105 years old, that's still short. Mm -hmm. And, And so it's better to know and be good with, you know, what you do in this life, what you do with this life. And so that was my suggestion to Kevin. If you ever think, what does my tomorrow look like when it happens? That should motivate your feet. That should get you into the back. And don't believe me, I don't want to die in a gunfight. I do not want to die in a gunfight. But had I run across the street in Sutherland Springs, Texas, and lost that gunfight, my kids, my family would still know who I am. And I would still have influence on their life.
0: Yeah. You know, people always, um, this, this is my thought. I, I don't know, uh, what anyone else has thought out there, but there's a lot of people who are always asking God to give them signs, you know, and what, I think a lot of people don't realize is the whole universe is a sign from God. Everything that happens, every single thing in life, every tree, every bird, every creature out there, every person you come across, the good things that happen, the bad things that happen, those are all signs in life. And and people, you know, sometimes you don't see it when it's right in front of you. Sometimes even afterwards you don't see it. Sometimes it takes someone to come along and I'll show you things. And, you know, one of the things I would say about that is that I remember when this situation went down and we talked about it here on the podcast, you know, we've we've been doing this for some time now. Um and I remember, so like I asked Lola when we were when we were doing this. I was like, "Lola, you got to bring me some magazines because I want to show Steven my magazines." Here you go, Steven. Now, I'm going to tell you why I'm showing you these magazines. You already know, I told you this because when your story happened, <laughs> okay? When that story happened, at that point in my life as a gun guy, I didn't always keep magazines packed like this. Believe it or not, right? Believe it or not. I didn't always keep magazines around, but I remember reading about what happened, and a lot of things struck me in there, but one of the things that struck me is that you were able to do what you did, what you just explained to us. You, you know, I don't know. Did you have those like what was it, six rounds, eight rounds? Did you have them in your hands? Did you load them? Were you loading them and running? Um, you know, but I'll tell you this: when I heard that story, something said to me. You know what's a thing that you're missing out on in your life? Your your magazines aren't ready. That's one of the things. It's one of the signs. And I was like, you need to make sure you've got magazines ready to go with whatever rifle you have, whatever rifle that's set up and ready to go, make sure you have the magazines and there's, there's a whole bunch of other ones. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: So, so, Mm -hmm. and, and I I hate, I hate excuses Mm -hmm. and that's 91 seconds. I'll never get back Mm -hmm. Uh, because I was loading a magazine. I grabbed a box. I grabbed a Mm -hmm. rifle. I grabbed a magazine. I ran for the door opened up my gun room, I grabbed a handful of ammunition, poking mm-hmm. them in the magazine as I was running out the door. That's 91 seconds that I won't get back, and and, and that's part of my regrets, is that I didn't have a loaded magazine. Uh, and it, again, I hate excuses, but I had been burglarized like years before, like five mm-hmm. years before, and the burglar came into my house and he got the one gun that I didn't have in a safe. And it Mm -hmm. was loaded, and he got it, and I wasn't home. And for the next two months after that, until they caught the guy, I worried about coming home to my house and the burglar being back in my house. And this time he had my gun. Mm. So I made a habit of unloading all of my guns and sticking them in my safe. And in some ways, maybe that was God saving my life, because if I had run and grabbed the pistol that I had in my closet, and ran across the street, mm-hmm. I may not have been successful, but instead I cracked that safe open. And if you've got a choice of a pistol or a rifle,
0: rifle time, yeah, always
2: a rifle. Mm-hmm. Had I had a loaded pistol in my closet like I did before the burglary, I may have grabbed that pistol and ran across the street and I may have lost that battle. Mm-hmm. And they, again, maybe everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. so i didn't have a loaded gun uh now i do uh Mm i i've changed my attitude about that but i was trying to be what i believe to be a responsible gun owner because i believe that sutherland springs texas was 600 people total i was never more safe than in my home in sutherland springs texas Mm -hmm. and it's not about my safety necessarily yeah, it's it's about my community safety. And so now I have not only a loaded uh, rifle, but a loaded shotgun also.
0: Yeah. Um, Asper Warriors saying, I didn't think about it until just now, but I'm loading mags as we speak. Listen, everything I'm telling you, people don't people don't realize everything happening around us is a sign. Lots of folks are looking for signs. <laughs> They're looking for directions, instructions. It's all around you all the time. You know, so, and and it's different for all of us, right? That's what's called perspective for human beings. You know, you had a reason to do what you did, and that's how, you know, everything unfolded. And the only thing that would be better than that is this, this person didn't do this in the first place, you know? But, yeah, I know that that was the thing for me. I, I'll always remember that. When I saw that, I was like, man, you know you 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 this is one thing you need to make sure you've got like magazines uh ready to go so um uh, jordan did you go ahead i'm sorry go ahead. i
2: got one other thing to add to mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Is because when you talk about you started loading magazines after hearing my story mm-hmm. well jack wilson a month and a half after my story jack wilson started training uh, a safety response team in the uh West Freeway Church of Christ in White Settlement, Texas. A month and a half after Sutherland Springs, because of what happened in Sutherland Springs, he started training his team and we all know how that came out, don't we?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was the um that was the situation where I think um that that guy went in there, and I don't know how many people he shot, but the, but but this is the gentleman who reacted very quickly. You know, the, the
2: guy shot and killed two two guys, mm-hmm. and Jack Wilson, less than six seconds, shot mm-hmm. him at fifteen yards over the top of the pews and mm-hmm. headshot him in, in in less than six seconds. Yeah. And again, after Sutherland Springs happened is when Jack put his team together and so many other churches have put teams together after Sutherland Springs, because we served as the canary in the coal mine, if you will.
1: Yeah. Jordan, I think you, you wanted to say something. Um, oh, gosh, what Stephen is saying right now is just extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if I can say anything that can top that, but, um, you know, I, I, I'll just say I had plenty of magazines loaded, but uh, I'll tell my wife I need to buy some more magazines, right? Because you can't have too many,
0: um, for many, many reasons. Right. <laughs> you need to have some empty magazines for sure. You always got to have some empty magazines so you can load it, them.
1: Well, you have to, you rotate your mags, right? You know, yeah. in my carry gun every couple months I, I rotate my carry mags. Um, you know, and you know that's just part of part of life. So you, you need to to um, you know be sure your your mags are in good working condition. So you need to have a lot of them because they honestly, on the gun side, mags do wear out, right?
0: And uh, you need to be sure that they... Uh, after, a work, long they can... time, after a long time, I don't know, everyone's got a different opinion of that, but yeah. But you should, you should, uh, you know, every now and then, here's here's what you do. You take those magazines, you shoot them, make sure that spring's in good working order. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you make more empty magazines to get loaded. <laughs> I, I, love yeah. it.
2: I, love it. I love the old saying that says uh-huh. you can't have too much ammunition unless you're on fire or drowning
0: if you're that megan we need to buy some more ammo <laughs> more ammo more magazines more guns yeah like yep. she's never, she's never heard that <laughs> <laughs> nope
1: never no she's never i she can just i can imagine her face right now
0: off screen i can imagine the face that she's making <laughs> she's I, I the can...
1: dangerous one in the gun store i can't let her go away in a gun store alone because she'll buy everyone in the case
0: oh okay <laughs> go ahead steve yeah. I can um. already
2: feel rolled
0: eyes and the. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so this is this is something interesting too. I'm going to try to tell. I was I was telling someone about this today. Um, the with the story that you were telling, uh, I was on the road one time and I met a guy that uh, you know. I have like a van. I get out on the road and I was. Um, I was at a Cracker Barrel, I spent the night there, I woke up, there was a guy parked right next to me that had a, a, a van as well, and him and I were talking. This guy was from South America, and we would, we, we talked for a long time, I, you know, like I said, things happen for a reason, and he was telling me, like, he asked me what I did, and I said, you know, I'm a Second Amendment advocate, amongst many other things, and um, I'm a gun guy, and he said to me, you know, I, I've i been afraid of guns for a long time in my life, and the reason is, is that growing up, my dad, my parents had a jewelry store. His father was in the military where he's from, and you know after he retired, he had a jewelry store. And these guys came in there one day when he was there as a kid to rob the store, and his father fought back, right, and shot some of the guys. I think uh, took out a few of those guys, but his father, his father like told him to go to the back of the store, and he got into this gunfight with these guys, and his dad wound up dying. So for that reason, he, you know, had this, like, incredible fear of guns and didn't want to have anything to do with them. And I listened to him, and I understand really where he was coming from. But, you know, I was moved to tell him this, what you just said. You know, uh, like, as a gun guy, I told him, your, your dad was a gun guy. And as a gun guy, you know, that's not the best thing that happened the second best thing that happened, because you survived because he was able to fight back. If he did not fight back, what would have happened to your family would have been worse if he would have allowed those people to get into that store and take control of you all. And this is really what he wanted, even though it makes you so sad, you know, um, you hate guns, all of that kind of stuff. But as a gun guy, I could tell you that your dad, you know, would not go back and undo that moment where he was able to fight back and save you from these people. So that, I just, I just thought of that, you know, um, when you were talking about this and, and, and I say it because I think people need to hear it. And I told him that because I think he needed to, to, uh, to hear that as well.
1: So,
2: so people point out that my daughter came in to let me know that the, the shooting was happening. And, and, I didn't think about it until afterwards. Mm -hmm. Uh, They say, why did your daughter come into your bedroom and tell you this was happening? And he said, because her daddy fixes things. And she knew that something was going wrong and expected her daddy to fix it. Mm. They said, how would your daughter have viewed you had you not done everything you could to fix this situation and I don't think my daughter would love me any less if I had not but she did she came to me because she thought that I could fix what was going wrong Mm -hmm. every child has this view of their father as being superman in some ways Mm -hmm. and when they need something fixed they come to their father for comfort mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so my daughter did and I didn't fail her if I had not run across the street and engaged a shooter she wouldn't love me any less but do you think she would still have the same view uh, you know the, the same respect for me that daddy fixes things you know if I would have told her just let's stay in the house and, and mm-hmm. stay safe you know, then, in some ways, I would not have fixed it for her. And, uh, but my da- my daughter still has that view of me, is daddy fixes things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jordan, did you want to add something to that? I I don't think I can say anything more to that right there. that will preach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely, yes. I uh, uh there's 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 a lot of wisdom that, that uh comes from Steven. Uh I can just imagine the kind of conversations you guys have. Like I remember the convers I was thinking about the conversation we had of you know what? The the to me the most fun that I had at the gathering was just talking with you guys. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird how that is. I don't think I shot a single gun. Wow. I don't think I did. He I- shot yeah there was a lot of guns out there to be shot for sure but just like meeting the meeting the gun folks out there and talking with them and uh you know we had a bunch of people hanging out over in the goa booth it was awesome shout out to uh john Mm -hmm. crump uh flying rich uh we had rod mills was out there i don't want to leave anyone out but so oh we had Uh, paul paul Paul, yeah legally armed america you know it was awesome, man. And I know that Steven and myself spent a lot of time talking. Uh, you know, uh, Lola Lola was was there with us as well. I think sometimes Lola got sick and tired of us talking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and went off to do stuff <laughs> uh, to officially get things done and all that. But you know what? Here's what I want to do when we go into the next, uh, the next segment. I'd like to talk about some GOA stuff that we probably – um, you know, we, we need to cover, we don't, uh, we don't get together as much as we, as we should. So I think there's some GOA things going on around the country, probably some, some, some stuff that's happened here in Florida. So, uh, when we come back from this break in the last 20 minutes here, if you guys don't mind, I would like to get into some of that stuff. I'd like to hear from Steven of, of what's going on with GOA. I'd like to hear from Jordan. If the folks out there have questions, um, let me know and we will get into that right after this break. The Who Moved My Freedom podcast is made possible by our partners at 2A Commerce. Veteran-owned and with over 20 years' experience... 2A Commerce is the leader in custom e-commerce and web application development in the shooting sports industry. Clients include major brands such as Guard Dog Body Armor, Sylvan Arms, AccuFire Technologies, The Tactical Games, Warrior Knife Company, and yours truly, Hank Strange. Visit 2A Commerce and support this show by supporting them. Once again, visit the number 2Acommerce.com. All right, so one of the things Asper Warrior is saying, he's got a comment here. He says, uh, I am really regretting that I didn't chat Stephen up at the Arizona Firearms Festival 2022. I was there in the camo tricorn riding a wheelchair that day. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: there you go. He's a good man. He, he is a good
0: man. We've talked a little bit on Instagram. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's awesome. Awesome dude.
2: If you're from Arizona... Yeah. Uh, I'm going to CanCon in Phoenix, Arizona on, uh, the 29th and 30th. I think it coming up. is. I'll be back in Arizona.
0: Okay. CanCon. I think he's been to that before. We'll, we'll, uh, see what he says about that. Hopefully you guys do get a chance to connect there. Um, so a couple of things happening here, right? If we're talking about GOA, one, we've, we've got um, constitution. What, what was it? What's it called? I always want to say constitutional uh, in Florida here, but it's uh permitless carry permitless carry. Yes. Yes. Uh, permanent permitless concealed carry in Florida. Um, it's not exactly what. I wanted or what we all wanted, but I will take it as a win. I think a lot of us will. And I know uh, Luis Valdez of GOA Florida doing a lot of work um, in that regards. I could tell you guys, uh, you guys know Lewis, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a pit bull. For Goa, <laughs> he's an awesome yeah. dude. Lola told me he was on the radio here, and I know uh, you probably both done radio before. You know how you spend um, very little time talking and lots of commercials. Lola mm-hmm. told me that when Lewis was on, man, he was just bulldozing through them. They couldn't, they couldn't take any commercials. Lewis was breaking everything down. It was awesome. So, um, what do what, you guys?
2: Huh? We got a lot of people working with us for Goa.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, do you guys want to yeah. comment on that here in Florida? Yeah, we'll just briefly,
1: cause mm-hmm. Luis is definitely the subject matter expert on that, but, you know, obviously the bill is not what we wanted, right? We would want full constitutional carry, including open carry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's what what we the standard is. That's mm-hmm. what gun owners in Florida want. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's what they deserve, honestly. Yeah. But, you know, it's a step in the right direction, um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's moving the ball forward. So, And that's why we can come back and, and fight for it next year, um, and we'll weed out the ones who squished on us and uh, hopefully send them home in the political realm and replace them with people who will fight for the Second Amendment fully. So it's definitely something we can build off of going forward yeah you, absolutely
2: you, you never mm-hmm. want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. let's 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 get this bill done let's get it pushed forward and then we can make it better in the future um uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Ju- you know some things GOA's is doing and you know we're we're fighting the pistol brace ban we're fighting the uh uh where they're delaying 18 to 20 year olds mm-hmm. uh we're fighting that. We're fighting Prop 114 in and, and Oregon and, you know, just all kinds of things we're fighting, too. In in Texas, in the state of Texas, I am, you know, I'm from Texas, which, by the way, guys, just so you know, you might see the clouds gathering. There's a big <laughs> moving in. Uh, oh. So it's darker here. here.
0: Oh, so uh, it's not nighttime uh, encroaching on you. <laughs> Well, it is a little
2: bit. It is a Mm -hmm. little bit, but it's thunderstorms are moving in. And so you might see a little lightning and stuff in the background. Mm -hmm. But we're having here in Texas, we're having the 2A day on the 26th of this month, where we're going to the Texas Capitol. And uh, I was asked at first to be keynote speaker at this event. Mm-hmm. And then they asked me if I knew any other speakers that would like to be in it. And I asked them about Ted Nugent and mm-hmm. they said, Oh, can you get Ted Nugent? And I said, well, I, I, can ask what? Him.
0: <laughs> you know, I can
2: ask him and, you know, and so I asked Ted Nugent and he said, yes.
0: Oh, awesome. And, yeah. I love Ted you know, Nugent, by the way. He's such a, he's such a good guy. I don't think people yeah, realize well, how cool he is. Yeah.
2: He mm-hmm. really is. And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, they said, you don't mind being, I said, okay, I got Ted Nugent. I was the keynote. Now he is. I, <laughs> yeah. I said, I get to introduce Ted Nugent.
0: So oh, okay. Interesting. I'm, I'm That's fine.
2: Ted Nugent, uh, and which is really cool. Uh, but we're having 2A day at the Capitol. Uh, GOA is fighting the fight that nobody else wants to fight. And we're mm-hmm. making the difference like you can't believe. And we're winning in the courts. And, yeah, we, we've had a couple of losses, but we've had a lot of uh, victories, too. Mm-hmm. And, and right now in state of Texas, we're the ones, GOA has filed the lawsuit on the pistol brace ban here in Texas. We filed the lawsuit, like I say, uh, against delaying 18- to 20-year-olds. And people need to understand, they just think that all these school shootings are 18. No, they're not. They're not all 18 to 20-year-olds, and it has nothing to do with maturity. It has to do with mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the shooter in Sutherland Springs was 27 years old. Mm-hmm. The shooter in Vegas was 60-something. The, the most recent shooter in Tennessee, she she was 28 years old. It, it, and we expect our military men and women to go serve in mm-hmm. other countries with an M16 and an M1 Abram tank, and and yet we don't give them the ability when they come home to buy a gun without going through all kinds of mental background checks. Come on.
0: Yeah. Do you have Do you have a um, Do you have like a visor light there or anything you can switch on before Lola before Lola starts uh, reprimanding me? Let me ask you. I'm sure that I'm sure that Text is on its way to me right now, if you can. But I mean oh there you go. Look at that. Look at that, Hanson. Come on now.
2: That's as good as it's gonna get, I guess.
0: <laughs> no, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Wasn't that um I thought that uh Texas declared that uh provision that you have to be twenty one years old unconstitutional, right? Am I right with that or wrong?
2: Well, yes we did, but, okay. but it might be. so so uh Texas Senator John Cornyn was the one that led the, the 14 other rhinos to trample our Constitution. Okay, so that bill, what it did is it authorized money for mental background checks mm-hmm. for 18 to 20-year-olds. Texas said, we're not playing your game. Mm-hmm. We are going to take part in this, mm-hmm. which we shouldn't. We, we didn't take the money from the federal government, which is good. But what it did is it went from a, a five-day wait mm-hmm. where the state would take five days and say, okay, they do the mental background check on the 18 to 20-year-old in five days. Since we don't, as Texans, don't do the background check, it's 10-plus days now. Hmm. So they delay someone 10-plus days. Because okay. Texas wow. didn't compile mental background checks for, um, for 18 to 20 year olds,
0: wow. which okay. is, I
2: see. so in, it, in some ways it made it even worse, mm-hmm. you know, worse for the guy that's trying to buy the gun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a woman who's, you know, maybe in fear of her life, someone's stalking her and she needs to defend herself. That's a lot of time, man, to, uh to live in fear of, of someone who, who intends to do you harm. Wow. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
2: I'm really sorry about the lighting again. Like I say, no, you're so, good. <laughs> well, the situation was, is my wife's brother died uh, recently. And my wife said, let's go camping. Yeah. And uh, they all, we all ran to the, uh a state park and we're camping at a state park and i ran to the nearby town to get enough wi-fi to do this video and i'm just uh, yeah i'm running out of daylight and the, the no, you're shore. good
0: you're good brother you're good we we appreciate you um taking out of time especially you know with something like this happening i hope you send our condolences uh to your wife and the rest you know yourself you the rest of the family for that that's you know it's sad to hear that um Uh, Let me switch over to Jordan, because I do want to get a chance to cover this. I know you've got an opinion article that Lola sent here, and I think uh, Lola says this is Carolina SB 41. There's an article that you have out, Jordan, that, um, uh, here we go, Uh, Governor Cooper should end duplicative and historically racist gun politics. Um, to summarize, before purchasing a handgun in the Tar Heel State, one must first obtain permission from the local sheriff in the form of a pistol permit. Frustratingly, uh, the many who don't go through this process fail to realize this requirement is entirely redundant and prone to abuse, which is supported by both historical evidence and modern examples. So you want to explain to us uh, what's going on there, Jordan? Yeah. So this is a big w
1: that uh goa uh and our friends at the grassroots north carolina um mm-hmm. uh, organization that we got um so in north carolina going back to um the jim crow era really mm-hmm. um they passed a uh pistol purchase re- permit requirement to where um w- before can even buy a pistol, not even just to carry a pistol, just to buy a, a handgun, won't have to get a, a $5 permit from their sheriff uh, so they could go ahead and do it. Now, this, like I said, this was in the Jim Crow era where the government didn't want certain people, because of the color of their skin, owning guns. Mm-hmm. That That's just the reality of it. We even have newspaper clippings from the era saying that few blacks have pistol purchase permits. They're mostly going to whites. Wow. It's linked, it linked in that article. Yeah. Um, okay. It's really eye-opening once you see that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that's what the policy was. But it's been on the books for 104 years. 104 years we've had that. Uh, until recently, um, our legislature passed SB41, which repealed pistol purchase permits. And it also, this is important as well, um, it also allowed a carry in churches that have schools with them right Mm -hmm. and this hits home to me because i grew up in a uh, a private christian school that also had a church and so this would legalize carrying churches when school's not inception right Mm -hmm. um so that bill did both of those things and it passed the legislature with veto proof majorities and our governor robert cooper the racist that he is vetoed sp41 um and when i wrote when i wrote this article it was still on his desk i was trying to get him to just not not veto it and let it just become law on its own, but he had to veto it. Um, and uh, in dramatic fashion, the uh, our legislature in North Carolina overrode that veto, um, so thereby repealing the pistol purchase permits and restoring church carry in our legislature in our state. And that's a huge win. I, I don't recall any significant pro gun legislation being passed in a decade. Mm-hmm. and it goes to show that elections have consequences mm-hmm. um, because of our, our super majorities in the legislature we were all able to override that veto and even beyond that and and some of this effect that we we haven't seen yet now a democrat in the state house has now changed her party affiliation to republican because republicans lacked a, uh, a super majority in the house by one vote and now at least on a partisan base, basis, Republicans would have a supermajority in the House. Now, I know Republican doesn't always mean pro-gun, and this individual uh, representative has not voted pro-gun. However, uh, if, you, if you're following this, the Democrats that came after her with knives calling her to resign and calling her all names in the books. So we'll see if, he, if she's truly had a philosophical change of heart. But um, I think we're a lot more optimistic that North Carolina could be the next constitutional carry state this session because of this vote. And, and, and it goes back to the veto override that we were able to accomplish and the elections that we were um, able to be a part of. Um, so, uh, you know, I know 2021 or 2022, the midterm elections weren't that great overall. And North Carolina, they were pretty good. And uh, we're seeing the consequences of that now. So. I know this wasn't constitutional carry, but it was still, I would say, on par with that, a huge victory, getting rid of a racist gun control law that's a century old. And let's celebrate. You know, this is a, a huge deal. So we're, we're thrilled to be part of
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and by the way, here's the article again, uh, Carolina Journal, right? Uh, opinion yeah. uh, from Jordan Stein. And yeah. um, it. it uh, and if you just
1: search Jordan uh, Stein, Carolina Journal, it'll come up. It's, it's okay. on their, their website. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great read. You know, uh, I'm very proud of that article.
0: So Yeah. It's interesting that in this case, uh, what do you guys think about that? Because we're talking about people who are ter- tearing down statues and stuff. And uh, one of the interesting things to me is I think, like, going around and destroying statues, like, history is history, right? Uh, whether you agree with what happened in history or not, it's history. OK, so it's one thing to go around tearing down statues. But why don't the same people who want to tear down statues want to get rid of racist gun laws like this? Why are they supporting racist gun laws? Why is it OK when it's gun laws to be racist?
1: Exactly. It, it doesn't fit their narrative because they, they want disarmed people, you know, that they don't want us to protect ourselves um and when something just doesn't fit their narrative then, then they just ignore and, and it and it is crazy how much pushback i got back from democrats when i was in raleigh on this <laughs> um a couple years ago they were like you know that that's just a bunch of nonsense it wasn't racist go back and look at the clip the newspaper clippings. you know that, that we have uh, it is it's is just profound uh the of the blatant, you know, that the government did not want certain people to have guns because of the color of their skin. And that's absurd. Yeah, Yeah, it's a
0: selective view of history. I don't know what you think about that, Stephen. I think, you know, we've got a lot of that going on when it comes to the Second Amendment and the Constitution, for that matter.
2: Well, you you know, this goes right back. And this is I I am so proud of GOA's history. Uh, When when uh, California was doing what California was doing way back and GOA was new uh, back in the 70s Mm -hmm. and California was trying to ban guns in the capital and stuff because the Black Panthers came into the capital with guns. Well, Mm -hmm. it was white groups too that came into the capital with guns Mm -hmm. and they were saying my light just went out. No, it's okay. (laughs) They were saying that uh, they were trying to ban these people coming into the Capitol and stuff mm-hmm. with guns. GOA stood strong and said, you know, nobody nobody was injured when the the Black Panthers and uh, the other groups, the other white groups even, came mm-hmm. into the Capitol. Nobody was injured. So we stood strong with we should have the right to be able to carry wherever we carry. Mm-hmm. It's the Constitution, and it has nothing to do with race. The Constitution is for every race and, mm-hmm. and other groups every
0: creed every religion everyone Absolutely. second other amendment yes right.
2: when, when they came into the capitals with guns but mm-hmm. GOA stood strong and at that time so GOA started with uh, gun owners of California mm-hmm. and then became gun owners of America mm-hmm. and and so what a what a cool group to be part of because we don't care, race, religion, or anything. Mm. Uh, you know, your political view even. We, we believe in the Constitution and the right to keep and bear arms. It doesn't matter who you are in this country. You have the right to bear arms, to own arms, to carry arms wherever you're going. And we are no compromise and it doesn't matter anything else. It, our Constitution is written to be the ultimate law in this nation. And you can't pass unconstitutional laws and them be actually legal, you know? Mm. And it has nothing to do with, um, like I say, race, religion, or anything else.
0: I think today when uh, we look at what's happening in America right now, where we've got people in America who are very selective about the law and and their use of that law, it's scary to think about what's happening. And there was never... You know, there was never... um, a moment that like the constitution is so super important right now. Right. I don't want to say it's always been important. I think we, we know it's always been important, but when you look at what's happening now and realize that there's lots of, there's lots of people out there in America and I'm not just talking about like liberals. Uh, I'm talking about people who are on the right as well. People who have are, after their name or before their name and they just don't care about the constitution anymore it's sad to think that when we when we see what's happening when we see you know um organizations like the atf the fbi being used against the citizens um and people uh for example like in manhattan man you know when you have a da in manhattan that decides to go out and uh just like trump up some charges i hate to say that you know uh Wow. It's interesting. It's interesting to see what's happening right now. So Constitution, very, very important. People should pay attention to this and support the folks who are out there fighting for that. GOA included, but other people that we wouldn't be able to keep the Who Move My Freedom podcast going without the support of manufacturers like Safety Harbor Firearms. SHF is a quintessential family-owned small business, totally representative of the American dream. Safety Harbor Firearms is a Florida-based manufacturer of the compact entry stock and the SHTF-50 upper for an AR-15 lower. Also, SHF happily delivers on your sten gun parts needs, so don't forget to check out stenparts.com and safetyharborfirearms.com. Yeah, just to uh, go back to what I was saying there, make sure that you guys are supporting the folks. Get out there and fight for the Constitution yourself, fight for the Second Amendment yourself, but support the folks who are doing it. Uh, so we're gonna start wrapping up here. I do want to say this. You know, if 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 I squint a little bit, I can kind of see that Stephen looks. You know, he looks like uh, Brad Pitt if you squint. I don't know what you think. What, <laughs> what, what, do, you, what do you think, Jordan? <laughs> I
1: know, that's what I, exactly what I was thinking,
2: too. Gunowners.org. Gun Put <laughs> that
0: in
2: there. Gunowners.org. Gun gun
0: absolutely. We didn't make... someone saying... Uh, I think it's Asma Warrior said it as well. It was like, we didn't make your car battery die, did we? <laughs> I, well, mean. I hope not. Oh, yeah, you better, you better make sure you can turn that engine over before we get before we get oh, out of here. If God. we've got to send AAA or something to rescue you, we need yeah. to know right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so, you know what? I, I want to wrap up, but I want to ask uh, Stephen this one question because it's a very serious question that's on my mind. I'm thinking about it um, in the movie of this whole thing. Who plays you, Stephen? What do you think?
2: Well, short and fat Danny DeVito. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: <What>? <laughs> oh boy. Wow. No.
2: Bruce Willis.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, oh man. Unfortunately, Bruce Willis isn't doing it anymore. That would have been cool. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, um, Bruce Willis is not, not acting anymore. It's sad to with, think. With,
2: with my luck, it'll be Danny DeVito.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> okay, so listen, we are going to start to wrap this up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start here with Stephen. Uh, if the folks are listening to this, they want to be able to communicate with you, Stephen, reach out, support you on social media. How can people out there uh, do that?
2: Okay, I am starting as a uh, co-host with, at Guns and Gavels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also have an, another podcast or a YouTube channel. Uh, that I've been kind of delaying and stuff, but it's the Barefoot Defender or Barefoot Defender on YouTube, just Barefoot Defender. My website is thebarefootdefender.com.
0: Okay, very cool. And then same question to you, Jordan. Folks out there who want to communicate, support you guys, how can they do that?
1: Well, you know, gunowners.org. That's the that's our website. You can join, learn more about us there. If you want to know about dry powder training, um, it's just dry powder training um, on Facebook and Instagram. On Twitter, it's dry powder train. Um, uh, That's just my little side gig. Um, But uh, I'll say this, and Hank did not put me up to this, but please support Hank's sponsors because then I wouldn't have an opportunity to come on and yell at my phone for two yeah. hours on the internet so um please support his sponsors uh so this should, great show one of it, this is my favorite show that i get yep. to come on so it continues so th- that's thank all you. i gotta say
0: thank you i appreciate that and i i do appreciate all the people who've uh, supported us over the years that's how we we're able to keep doing this and uh they're fantastic uh, folks Out there. Thanks so much, guys. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna so I want to get some words of wisdom. I don't know who's gonna drop the words of wisdom on us. Uh, What do you think, Jordan? Should we get? Should we get some words of wisdom from from Stephen here? please please yes yeah so we'll do that here in a second let me remind everyone big thanks to people all over the world that listen to us we've got a huge audience here in america but folks around the world listening to us as well on the audio side i appreciate that if you guys want to catch the audio side of this you can get it on itunes or anywhere that you get audio podcasts from including like audible you can go to audible and and catch us on there or just go to hankstrange.com and get it uh Stephen williford Thanks so much for coming on. Jordan Stein, both of you of GOA. This has been like, you know, a great episode for me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Stephen, give us some words of wisdom.
2: Make sure that you know who your God is. Trust in God. Jesus Christ is the only way that you're going to get to meet him. And uh, I, I know that. And he protects and watches over me. And no matter what happens, if I got... Christ in my heart, I know when I die, I'm going to go see my maker. That's my best words of wisdom that I have.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that. All right. Big thanks to everyone out there. We'll see you guys next week. You guys stay right there. I'm going to end the show here. I got to make sure I hit all the buttons correctly. We'll see you guys next week. We're out of here.